Great things are happening at Vineyard. Vineyard Community Church in downtown London, Kentucky at 220 West 5th Street. The children of Israel were provided by God. They were provided this bread from heaven. We're going to get into that here in a second. And that bread from heaven, they looked at it and they didn't recognize what it was. And so they called it manna. And the word manna actually means, what is it? It's their word for, what is that? And so... They said, what is that? And the answer was, or that the word that they used is manna. We have translated that word manna to simply mean bread. All right. And so we think of bread something like this, you know, something that you pick up at the grocery store. And uh, you take a look at the screen, you'll see there's a bunch of different kinds of bread. And that's what we think. When we hear the word manna, we think of great big loaves of Italian bread dropping down from heaven, hitting people in the head. Come on, somebody. And then God having us make meatball sandwiches with it. But that's not exactly how it worked. It actually, if you read the scriptures, and we'll go to this first scripture right now, Numbers 11, 7, and 8, the what is it or the manna, it's, God describes it here. It says, the manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. Now, your Sunday school, my Sunday school, we all learned that it was bread, it was already bread, but it was a seed. Listen to me. The manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. Other translations say pastries baked or uh, fried in oil. That is a donut. Come on, somebody. God loves us. Amen. And so... Take a look at the screen one more time, and you'll see coriander seed. That is coriander seed. So it's comparable to this. It doesn't look quite like this. It is a more of a white color. It was more of a white color. It was paler, a little bit yellow. And take a look at this next screen. That is coriander seed blown way up. That's a millimeter ruler there in the corner. So it's a very small seed. And what would happen is, is the children of Israel would get up in the morning. They would see all this seed all over the, the grass. They would go gather it Two omers or basically two quarts uh, for, for them, and they would gather it, and then they would, it said very clearly, it says they would grind, they would gather it, then they would grind it in hand mills or in a pestle and mortar, and then they would boil it, all right, and mo get moisture into it, then they would form it into cakes, and then once they formed it into cakes, they would bake it and eat it, and it tasted like, uh, like a Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody, say glory to God. And so the bottom line is, is it wasn't pre-made bread, and we talked about this last week, that just dropped from heaven and people went and picked it up. There was some work involved with it. It was a process. It was God's provision, and then we had to work with it. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand from last week, and we'll, we'll end last week right now, is that when it came, there was something that you had to do with it, and this is indicative of everything God does. God always gives in seed form, and when he gives, you are going to have to do something with it. It's not like, you know, you walked into Christianity and all of a sudden everything just fixed. You have to work with what you're given. Say amen. amen. And you have to recognize the things that are given to you by God so that you can work with what is given. I want you to look at the screen, and, and we're going to start a, a little different idea about this today. We're going to stick with this manna idea. But I want you to realize what man is, but read this with me. It says, manna was God's provision to sustain them on the journey. Manna was God's provision to sustain them on the journey. And so I want you to understand, I want you to catch this. 
How many of you have ever bought a house? Some of you adults here, some of you college students will be buying a house soon. Well, many of you have bought a house. When you bought a house and you made that down payment, remember that down payment you saved for? That down payment and you paid for your house and you, you had your move-in day and you moved in, realistically, that's when the work started. Am I right or wrong? If you ever own a house, you will realize you've got to mow the grass and that's the easiest thing. You've got to mow the grass. You've got to keep the roof in order. You've got to keep the air conditioning going. I've had some air conditioning problems lately, and it's cost a bundle. You know, you just, once you buy that house, it's not like the work ended. That's the beginning, say the beginning, beginning, beginning of the work, all right? And then you've got the, the, the people next door who keep their yard perfect, and you've got to keep up with the Joneses. Come on, somebody. And so it is work. It is work to own something. Why do we have an idea about Christianity that says, oh, we can get saved and then there's no more work? Now, we didn't get saved by works. It's by the gracious blood of Jesus Christ and his completed work that got us saved. Amen? We just accept the free gift. But once the free gift is complete, once it's done, we have this idea that everything else is done and yet it is a journey. We can see that with the children of Israel. They were taken out of Egypt and they became God's children. And then through a series of circumstances, they sent, spent 40 years walking around the desert having to be sustained by God. But that, sus that sustenance that he gave them, that stuff, that manna he gave them, that what is it he gave them every day, required that every day they had some work to do. How many of you following me? Now, here's the issue. How, why do we think now that because Jesus Christ paid for our salvation, which he did completely, that once we're saved, there's nothing more to do? Aren't we supposed to go into all the world? Aren't we supposed to preach the gospel to every creature? And yet so many Christians that say they believe everything God says, they, I believe from Genesis to Revelation, have very few of them have actually ever sat down with somebody talk to them about Jesus Christ or preach the gospel and then pray to prayer to help them get saved. So few. Instead, we bring them to church to do that. And it's great to do it here. We will always do it here. But the fact is, is we have a job on our journey, just like the, the manna sustained, just like manna sustained the Israelites during their journey, God gives us a what is it or a manna to sustain us through our journey. How many are you following me? And so it's so important that we start on this journey and there's something very peculiar. You see, we have entered into the kingdom of God. We have been welcomed into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, it doesn't work like the world. The kingdom of God does not work like the world works. It works on the upside down. I don't think though we say that, I don't think the kingdom of God is upside down. I think the world is upside down, come on now. And here's the thing. So we have to work by the rules of the kingdom. And there's something peculiar about God and the way that he works with us. There's something peculiar about him, something about him that is kind of his personality that we sometimes don't understand. I want to read this to you. Exodus 16, 11, and 12. We're talking about the manna. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat. And in the morning, you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know 
that I am the Lord, your God. So they went to bed that night thinking, man, there's going to be bread out there. We're going to have so much bread. It's going to be great. And they woke up and they saw this seed and they're like, what is that? All right. Manna. What is that? And that was their word for what is that? But what I want you to understand is, is God said you will have bread in the morning. Yes. When God gives you something, he does not see what he gives you. He sees the end result. You got to catch that. Take a look at the screen. God always sees the end of your journey from the beginning. He sees the end result, not where you start. And so he said, you guys will have all the bread you can eat tomorrow. But, and so they woke up and they're thinking, gosh, we're going to go get some of this. And they ended up getting some seed. And they woke up the next morning and they said, this isn't what I expected. What is this? And we wake up the same way saying, we didn't expect this. What is it? Well, God always sees your journey and he sees the end of your journey from the beginning. And if I asked you, what's the dream God's put in your heart? You might say, gosh, it's to have a great family. I never, I didn't have a great family growing up. It's to have a great family. Well, I can guarantee you that if you marry someone, it is going to be a journey and there's going to be a lot of work to get that family right. It is hard to raise a family, even in the church nowadays. I can't imagine raising one outside of the church. And the thing is, is it's hard enough to raise a family right within the church. That's a difficult church. But it's not, you know, you can see the family you want from the beginning because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you see the end from the beginning. One of the guys stood up here, I'm going to be, or one of the girls did and said, I want to be an architect. She can see herself building buildings. Does she really see herself doing algebra next year and the next year? Come on, somebody. And the next year and the next year and calculus and, and all. Does she see that? No. But that's part of the journey to get where God wants you to be. That's part of the journey. But God only talks about the end. This is part of the problem for a lot of Christians because a lot of Christians go to God and they hear God say, I will help you. I will, I will prosper you. I will make you healthy. I will do all these things that he promises in the Bible. But then they're like, okay, that's all on God's side of the table. No, God gives you that in seed form. He didn't give the Israelites one thing and give you another. You're not special, as special as you are. Come on, everybody say, I'm special. I know you're special, but I'm saying God doesn't love one of his children better than another of his children, does he? You don't have special privilege, a special get-out-of-jail card with God. I don't have to work. I get-out-of-work-free card that you hand off to him. And so as we journey in the kingdom and our journey with Christ, there is work to do. Amen? Amen? And that work is usually on us. So God gives us manna for our journey, but he, he looks at it in the, he looks at it at the end of it from the beginning. So he always tells us the end. He always tells us where we're going. We have to do the going to get there. You following me? In that process, do you think that you start out knowing it all? No, you learn as you go. I want to read this to you. This is amazing. I saw this a couple of nights ago as I was studying this. Deuteronomy 8 and 3. God is speaking to the children of Israel and says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with men. And to stop there for a second. What he's saying is this. He said, when you didn't have food, he allowed you to be that way for just a little while, 
just a little while so that you could appreciate it when he did provide it. When he did provide it. Is God somebody who starves his children? Absolutely not. All right? But I want you to understand that some of the things you have gone through, some of the things you have gone through are preparation for you to receive what God really wanted to get you. See, there's a lot of people I know, listen to me so closely, there's a lot of kids I know that were raised in upper middle class suburbia America whose parents didn't start there. Listen to me closely. Their parents didn't start there. Their parents achieved it. The kids got it for free. And now the kids think everything's automatic. That they don't have to try. And they're getting pushed out by kids that are, are hungry when they get there. Have you ever heard that term? Man, he's hungry for success. She's hungry for success. Well, this is what God was doing. God was allowing them to be humbled, to be hungry, to, to suffer just a little bit. And some of the things you've gone through in your time have been to prepare you to receive what God has for you now. But you've got to remember what you're getting now is just manna for the journey. It's provision for the journey. You're going somewhere. And God sees the end from the beginning. So read this with me. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you. Say, teach me. He did it for a purpose. I want you to understand, God does things for a purpose. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God came along and fed them with manna after they were hungry to teach them this is not your sustenance. Now, that's hard to understand because we as people, we want God to take care of us, pour it on us, and then for it to take care of us, and then there'll be enough for retirement, and we don't like work. Come on, somebody. Let's just be honest. And so he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And, God, and Jesus even repeated this in the New Testament. And he said, I'm the bread that comes from heaven. You aren't going to live by, by natural bread. You've got, that, that'll sustain you for the journey. But the journey ends in you, making, you having made a decision somewhere to accept Jesus as your Savior that you can depart this life and go be with him. But the fact is, rather than go somewhere else, he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. I want you to look at the screen. God's provision is not for you to live on. It's also for you to learn from. It's also for you to learn from. And for so many of us, we are in the journey so deep that we're, we're refusing to learn. We're refusing to learn. Now, let me give you a perfect example of that. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. There's 10 miracles. They get set free. They get to the Red Sea. The Red Sea's blocking them. Pharaoh's army's coming. The Red Sea splits. They get through. The Red Sea co uh, collapses in on, on the army of, of, of Egypt. I said Israel. Of Egypt. I'm sorry. Of Egypt. And they move on. They go all the way through the desert and they get to the promised land. And when they got there, they had not learned about God's provision. They got there and they said, ooh, I'm pretty sure those giants are too big for us. I don't think I'm going there. I think I'm heading back to Egypt. They actually said this. Let's get a new leader who won't take us to that, but instead take us. They hadn't learned about God's provision. They hadn't learned that they had to do something. 
And after that instance, God knew they were going to be in the desert for 40 years, so he said, well, I guess I'll have to feed you. I'll take care of you. You're going to have to do some work with it. And maybe this small lesson about doing work here will teach you that in 40 years when I take you back in, that you'll go back in and you'll have work to do there too. Now, here's what I'm telling you. How many of you graduated kindergarten? Come on, somebody. And you graduated kindergarten and you knew your ABCs and you were so proud of yourself and you had that little cap, come on, and everybody thought you were so cute taking pictures and whatnot. And so they got through, uh, you got through kindergarten and then you started first grade and you're like, what? whoa, whoa, hold on. Does no one understand? I am a kindergarten graduate. What is this reading and math stuff? I don't think that's where I'm going. But we did. We went through first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, and we graduated fifth or sixth grade, and we went into middle school, and we had a fifth or sixth grade graduation, and some of you thought it was over. It wasn't over. And then you graduated middle school. You went into high school. You thought it was over. It wasn't over. And then you graduated high school, and some of you thought it was over, and it wasn't over. And then you went to college, and you thought it was over. And kids today, that's not over for them. Then they have to get a, a graduate degree, and they're a master's of this or a doctor of that, and they have to get the next level. Come on. And then you get a job because it's over at that point. You really think it's over and then you have to get a job and that's when the real, how many of you know a job's where the real work starts? Come on now. How many of you have ever had a real job, could, would love to go back and just study a book a little bit every day? Come on now. Uh, the, the, Lord, let me go back to college. I'll do better if you let me, please. Because that's when the real work starts, huh? And so it's this graduation process that always has, how many of you know the work you, you did in first grade was not as hard as the work you did in, a co in high school? Well, what I'm trying to show you is this. With God, it's no different. And so God graduates them, and God's provision is not for you all just to live on, but it's for you to learn about and learn from. So you're in the learning process right now with whatever manna God's given you. With whatever that, what that is that's sustaining you, you're in the learning process for the next, next level. And if you won't learn, you'll be like the children of Israel, and God will say, okay, go back out there for another 40 years, and at the end of 40 years, we'll try it again. We'll go around the mountain again. We'll go around the mountain again. We'll go around the mountain again. And some people just constantly are going around the mountain and around the mountain. That is their life. But that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to graduate to the next level, say, what is it? That's what we're studying. Last thing is this. I want you to catch this and we'll close on this what is it idea. And that's in Joshua 5, 10 through 12. Because we're talking about the journey that we go on. Your Christianity is a journey between here and departing this life. And if all you have is, as I got saved on September 7th, uh, 1982. If that's all you've got, he might as well have taken you September 8th, 1982. Amen? But there's a world out there that needs saved. There are lots of people that needs prayed for. There are, there, is, there are people that are in darkness that need light. And Jesus said, I'm the light. And then he said, you're the light. So in other words, he's saying, I'm the light. Here's some of it. Now you're the light. And you are the only light that a lot of people will ever see. Why do you think he left you here? He doesn't want it dark here. He could have taken you out. Matter of fact, he prayed, he prayed to God and he said, they're not of the world, but they're in it. And I'm praying that they won't be destroyed by it. He prayed for you. That your journey would be full of light. And that the manna that you're sustaining on, you would learn from and you would move into the next level. That you would go into the next promised land with God. And when you get there, we know up front there's going to be work there. 
A lot of us want to go to heaven so we can retire. I'm pretty sure when we get there, come on somebody, you know where I'm going, that there's going to be some work to do there. You say, oh no, there won't. Oh yes, there will. Oh yes, there will. It says there will be rest, but you get eight hours of rest tonight. There's going to be something to do there. So stick with me. So the children of Israel, they're on this journey. We're on this journey. Manna is sustaining us. Look at Joshua 5, 10, and 12. They've gotten to this point where they are sustained and they're moving through. They're, they, this is now a new generation of, of Israelites who are coming back to the promised land. This is the end of the story. Watch this. When the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, now that is just over the border of the promised land. So the children of Israel have gone 40 years in the desert. They get to the, to the River Jordan. It splits for them. They walk in, and they're on the plains. They're camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho. Jericho is right in front of them. That's the first city they're supposed to take. See, God gave them work. Stick with me. You have a purpose bigger than you. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month, or they had, they had their Easter, or it was Passover, all right? Do you realize that when they left Egypt, it was Passover? And when they entered into the Promised Land, it was Passover? So important. Somebody study that out. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites from the crops of Canaan. When, when they were sustained in the desert on one type of what is it? When they moved into the promised land and there was grain and there was food there, they gathered and ate it and prepared for themselves. And God said, that's enough manna. Now I want you to catch. There was a reason why the manna stopped. It was because they got into the promised land and God expected that the lessons they learned in the previous, in the desert, would be used in the promised land. Take a look at the screen. There is a timing to God's provision for your life. Each step of your journey, each step of your journey has a provision built into it by God. Your provision at 16 years old or at, at, at 60 years old is different from your provision at six years old. Your provision at six years old is your parents. At 60 years old, your provision is probably not your parents. Now, with that said, there's a timing to each and every stage of God in your life. The problem comes is when we try and drag the provision from the past into the condition of the present. Well, you know, God used to back way in my, year, in my life a couple of years ago. He used to do this. He should do it now. He, he probably won't. Because when the Israelites entered into and crossed the line into, over the Jordan and came into their promised land, there was provision there, and it was growing out of the ground. It was a different style, plenty of provision, but a different way of doing it. And for some of us, we're standing back and going, God, I got saved. I entered into the promised land. I got, I, I'm, I'm here. 
Shouldn't I still live like I used to? And God's saying, no, live off of this kingdom now. He's saying, this is the kingdom you draw from. This is where where you live from. This is the place that I've given for your provision. The old way of provision is not your provision. Back then, you had to hold a grudge in order to survive. Now you have to forgive. Back then, huh? You, it was kill or be killed. Now it's you spend your life every day. Take up your cross daily. Back then, back then, listen to me. It was be a master, have, have people under you. Now it's be a servant. And the benefits come from the thing that we, not from what we used to be. We've graduated. Not from what we used to be, but from where we are now. And we have to work the kingdom now, not the kingdom back then. How many are you following me? And for so many of us, we're still trying to work the kingdom back then. Oh, I'll tell her. Come on. Do you know what she said to me? I'll tell her. You know what I'll do to him? I'll just go flatten his tires. He won't know because I'll do it in the middle of the night. See, that's how we used to get, uh, get, get restitution. Now, given it shall be given. And if they ask for your cloak, or if they ask for your coat, give them your cloak too. Now, if they ask you for one mile, give them two. It's a different set of rules for a different kingdom. It's a different level in God. How many following me? But there's a timing to God's provision for your life, and that timing is simple. It's this. Take a look at the screen one more time. God wants you to grow up into responsibility. Too much is given, much is required. Too much is given, there is much responsibility, is what he's saying. And God wants us to grow up into responsibility. We learn all this from manna? Yes, from manna. From the fact that God gave us something that we had to work with, and, and it sustained us, and it was great for the journey, but when we got to where we were going, that didn't work anymore. It'd be like entering into, into algebra class and going, hey, I learned one plus one is two, I don't need to learn anymore. No, it's a whole different ball of wax. And since it is, I have a question for you. What does God want you to learn now? What is God causing, you to, to, causing your provision to be from now? What are you fighting against that you're saying, that's not how I want it? That's a big question. What is it that you're fighting against that you're saying, that's, I, I, I would rather go back to Egypt. I would rather still sustain on my old manna. What am I fighting? I'm fighting against this. I don't want to change this wonderful thing that I used to have for something new that I may not like as much. And there are challenges there. I don't like the challenges. But maybe God's calling you to something new and something bigger and better. I have nothing more to say. I have nothing more to say. My question for you is, is, what is it? Maybe God's calling you deeper. Maybe God doesn't want you to do the things you used to do so you can enter into the promised land. And God's got a promised land for every one of us. He's got something new in this season of life that doesn't look like the old season. You've been listening to a message from Vineyard Community Church in downtown London, Kentucky at 220 West 5th Street. It is our prayer that this message has inspired and encouraged you to grow deeper with the Lord. 
we invite you to come and join us. Our gathering times are 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And Wednesday night, we have meal and a message night at 7 p.m. Great things are happening at Vineyard and everyone is welcome. 